Hi, this is Sedge Thompson. Welcome to this special audio highlights podcast from West Coast Live. For more information about our shows and other guests and podcasts, wcl.org. My next guest was last on the broadcast for her book called Stiff, which was an exploration of death cadavers. And if there's mm-hmm. anyone who can make such a subject funny, probably other than Woody Allen, it's Mary Roach. She has now taken the sequel, uh, Spook, looking for signs of the afterlife. She is also a writer who has written everything on uh, subjects uh, from uh, elephant warts when she did PR for the San Francisco Zoo many years ago to, I think it was a gentleman's quarterly article on flatulence that she may have done. (laughs) I remember an interesting fact that she was, uh, of course, had many of uh, the last time that she was on, that in a hotel room, the toilet seat is far cleaner than the remote control. (laughs) Will you please welcome a researcher, a, uh, an explorer of worlds that some of us only sometimes don't even think about. Will you please welcome Mary Roach to West Coast Live. Hi. Thank you for coming in here. Nice to have you here. I'm, uh, I, went, I went to the British Library once and actually handled some of the diaries that were removed from the corpses of people in the Scott Expedition. Very remarkable documents. But you have been to a library and actually opened up a box of ectoplasm. That is correct. And that is the last, as far as I know, the last remaining sample of ectoplasm. It's ectoplasm's ishi. Doesn't, doesn't uh, ectoplasm, though, I mean, continue to show up at, uh, at seances and, and in, in walls of certain houses in the East Coast? Ectoplasm, well, I'm, uh, we're talking about the, you know, the classic spiritualism era ectoplasm which was the the revolting spit up cheesecloth or the sheep entrails that was the, the that was the era I was talking about I think that there's a kind of a general ectoplasm that people talk about since Ghostbusters sort of the filmy green gas that kind of so you may that might still be out there but so did you feel slimed when you were handling this sample of ectoplasm well, I, I was a little uh, a little nervous when they brought, and this is this is the the archives at Cambridge University, and this is the the keeper of the manuscripts you have to consult, and you have to actually apply for admission to the archives, the manuscripts room, where this uh, ectoplasm is kept. And uh, this page brought me the box and set it down in front of me. And this is a you know a long table with very studious scholarly people, you know, sacrificing their vision to medieval land transfers and. You know, they're busily working, and I'm sitting there, and <clears throat> this box arrives, and it looks sort of like a, a cake box. It's, it's a, a lovely uh, marbled paper with, with string, and you open it up, and there's a card that says, this is a, an ectoplasm uh, from, from the medium Helen Duncan, uh, and it gave the dimensions, and it said, uh, it is stained and smelling slightly, uh, and was believed to have been uh, secreted in her vagina. And this was a sort of a way that a, a medium would perhaps sort of reveal, a, a, you know, sort of, sh- it was like having a card up your sleeve, I suppose. <laughs> an ace, an ace, so to speak. Yes, that, that's right. The, the ectoplasm, these, these were seances. The, the whole idea with spiritualism was uh, you, were, you were providing demonstrations of the afterlife. The medium was someone who would, who would prove to the people gathered, this is real, there is an afterlife. And ectoplasm was supposed to be the, uh, the materialization of spirit energy. Here it was. You could see it. If you were very brave, you could touch it. <laughs> you could certainly smell it. <laughs> you could certainly <laughs> smell it. 
So, but then there was kind of a, an equivalent of a, of a ghost buster who went around trying to debunk mediums. There, or media, I suppose. Oh, yeah, or somebody uh, recently observed that the, there are no more mediums now. They're all grandes. <laughs> not my joke. So I'm not Jewish. <laughs> um, Certainly lattes have a ghostly color, but anyway. Yes, there was a, a gentleman, Harry Price, who was... Uh, Harry Houdini also, they, they became very involved in, in debunking the, the mediums, but not for debunking's sake. Both of these gentlemen really desperately wanted to find the real deal, uh, you know, a medium who actually was in contact. There's this whole book uh, written by Harry Price called Regurgitation and the Duncan Mediumship, because this one woman was a, a very gifted regurgitator. That's how she was... She would swallow it, come into the, ec the, the seance room, they would do a whole search, including a body cavity search, and, and by God, she would produce this ectoplasm. They thought, well, how is she doing it? It turned out she was a very talented, uh, uh, she could regurgitate on, on demand. Kind of like a penguin mother. Very much, bringing up food for the young. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But, but behind this also is a fascination, a desire to, uh, maybe not everybody wants to believe in an afterlife, uh, but that there is something else beyond this uh, tortured existence in which we live, some happier place, some better place, you want to know that your loved ones are doing okay. I mean, that's a very powerful, mm -hmm. probably as, as, as long as men have been sentient. Very, very much so. Uh, and uh, I, I came to this book wanting, because I, I'm the kind of bratty kid. When my mother would read the Bible to me, she would read me, you know, the story of the walls of Jericho falling. And I'd say, well, when the trumpets played, and I'd say, okay, well, maybe, but maybe there was an earthquake. When they were playing, do we really know? And I would want some kind of evidence. And I'm a five-year-old, the skeptic. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I, you know, I, I was trying to find people who were actually trying to pin down evidence. And of course, you know, me being me, I would wander off in kind of the, the more goofball realms. Like there, I actually found a study. The, the University of Arizona. There's a gentleman who's a, who's a, and he's been to Yale. He's got a, a Cornell degree and a Yale advanced degree. And he was doing a study where they brought mediums in. I love this study. It was called the Asking Questions Study. And they were finally, they were bringing in mediums and they were getting them to answer the questions that you really want to know, such as, you know, it, when you're, you know, they're, they're speaking to someone supposedly in the afterlife and you want to know, well, what's it look like? What do you do all day? You know, instead of, oh, they're fine, they're thinking of you. Yeah, fine, whatever. I, I want to know, you know, what do you eat? You know, that kind of thing. So they actually had these four mediums come in, and they asked them all, you know, they were in touch with three, I think, different dead people, and they would ask them the same set of questions. And so I, I, that, I love that. And I'm, you're happy to report that the afterlife is apparently, according to one of them, it's Florida without the humidity. Now, then, then also reincarnation is a, is a deeply held belief uh, among uh, many Buddhists and Hindi and, and so on. And you've traveled to India in, in, the, uh, in the company of somebody whose sort of self-defined job was to research reincarnation. Yes, that's right, Dr. Rawat. And he was a, a lovely gentleman, but we, uh, we were uh, quite different, Dr. Rawat. And I, I realized this. He, I'll tell you what he does. He goes to these very small villages. In India, it's very, very common in a small village for a child to start speaking of some name or, or, or place that doesn't fit the life that he's living. And they'll, they'll glom onto this because they'll think, oh, it's a, it's a past existence. And it almost becomes this 
you know, Cinderella slipper. They'll go to the next village. Is, was did anybody die around this date? You know, when the child was born, and try to figure out who did the child used to be. And Dr. Rawat goes to these villages with his video camera and interviews the fam, both families. It gets confusing. There's the current personality and the previous personality, which they call the the PP, which I, I think they should have rethought. <laughs> so, but if you investigate too closely and ask too many questions, perhaps it becomes less certain that reincarnation is going on. But that's not really the point. Yes, I, I had a, actually um, a similar experience myself, I think. I, when I, I try to explain to people what I think is going on in these situations, um, I, I remember I went to Ireland years and years ago trying to you know, trace my Irish roots. And I didn't have a lot to go on. I had my grandmother's name, which was Colfer, and I knew it was County Wexford, and I went in. I went to, to County Wexford, and I was in this town, and there was a sign on a butcher shop, Colfer Meats. And I went in, and I said, are you a Colfer? And the man said, I am. And, and I got to talking. I said, well, I'm trying to you know, trace my roots. And, and uh, a few hours later, I'm in a pub with a bunch of Colfers and my little scraps of family tree and a several pints of beer. And, and we're, the more we talk about it, the more I get caught up in, yeah, well, that fits. And there was a grandmother who went to Chicago, and there was, and, and there was a Margaret. Well, of course, there are a lot of Margarets and Catherines. And, uh, but by the end of the evening, I was hugging them as long-lost family. And then when I got home several weeks later, a form came from the, uh, the registrar of births, deaths, and marriages. And in fact, I, the, the dates were several years off, and these were just strangers in a pub. But at the time, they were my family. You know. So you, you wanted to come back as an uh, Irishman. I thought, I thought that would be, yeah, yeah I would, that would be fun. You are James Joyce reincarnated. <laughs> I'll take that. I mean, he could, he could fill one of those books with all of the various things that you've written about over time. Oh, yeah. The, um, so, but there are people who are studying such phenomena as, as the, the, the uh, NDE, the near-death experience, with a, a, a scientific ferocity. Yes, and in fact, there are still some programs at actual accredited universities. The University of Virginia, in fact, has a huge endowment from Chester Carlson, the inventor of the Xerox machine, left millions of dollars specifically to research the survival of the personality after death. So there's, there are psychiatrists and psychologists involved there. Uh, the one study I, that appealed to me, this was a, a, a joint venture between the cardiology department and the psychiatry department. And they have uh, an operating room where what they are doing is they're putting defibrillators in, in the chests of people with dangerous heart arrhythmias. And in order to test the defibrillator, make sure it's working, they render this person very briefly dead, clinically dead. They, the heartbeat is scrambled. And then this defibrillator will kickstart the heart. So the, they thought, well, this is a good population to study near-death experience in. Of course, in, initially, I had thought, you know, I just heard they're doing this study and they're stopping people. So I thought, I'll volunteer. <laughs> would, would you enjoy going through that experience? I would have, you know, I'd, I'll do anything for a book. I, I would have to... I, <laughs> How, how do you keep your book, books focused? I mean, I would think that there would be so many trails that you could take off on. Uh, have you not read my books? They are not focused at all. They are very, the tangents are more fun than the actual. But, but I mean, you know, and tangents, I'm all over the map. I really am very. But, but you, do, you have to narrow the subject down okay. somewhat. Oh, very much. Yeah, stiff, for example. Initially, uh, I just presented this hodgepodge of it. Well, the things related to cadavers, and, and I realized that was a little broad. And so it became 
interesting, um, fruitful pursuits of cadaver, like interesting and helpful things dead people have done. Postmortem careers, that became the, so that's pretty narrow. But, but I'm speaking more to your kind of like daily working. Like in, when, you, when you do research, I mean, one of the things that's so seductive about research is you, uh, you come across one, and that leads you to another, and then you go off to another, and, and then suddenly you're a considerable distance away from where you started out and where you thought you might be going. That's very much, that's very true. I write a, pro you have to write a proposal for a book, and it, it's, they're always such a joke. You take the proposal, and then the final product, and there's almost, for me anyway, no overlap, because the things I started out with invariably lead to things that are far more interesting, and I ditch the things that I thought I was going to write about and end up someplace else. It's very organic, and it's always evolving, and at a certain point, I, people say, how do you know when to stop? And it's just when I'm, I'm just so sick of the book that I can't, <laughs> I can't look at it another. It, are, you, are you at all interested in, in the before life? The before life. Well, you know, someone sent me a nice a note saying, I don't know why you spent all this time looking into this topic. It's very clear to me that the place that we're going is the place that we were before we were born. I thought, well, that, that is fairly reasonable. Because some people think, you know, there's a, a little pool of souls up there. And then when a, a child is born, you know, into the <laughs> collective, it comes, you know. But it doesn't seem to be necessarily connected with what happens afterwards, where the soul goes on up to Florida without humidity. That's, well, yeah, that's right. If you do, if you do the math, I mean, if there's supposed to be the same number, always the same number of souls, and it doesn't, the math doesn't work out properly. I think there are fewer and fewer souls and more and more people, but maybe they're <laughs> one and the same. I, I, I don't know. It's, uh, these questions arise, you know, when, when you think about this. There was, there's one chapter in the book that has to do with soul weighers, people who... The, the original was this guy, Duncan McDougall, who uh, weighed tuberculosis patients as they were dying, put them on a huge, it was an old silk scale, big scale, he'd put a cot on there, and as they were reaching the end, he'd put them on thinking, well, when they die, the little indicator will go down just a little bit. So he did this, this work, and he-, he Was it 21 grams? That's exactly right. That's where the name of the movie comes from. And I, I got interested in this. In fact, there are several other, four or five other people who've, who've come at this uh, in different ways. And there was a- uh, a man up in Oregon, uh, a sheep rancher with a background in quantum mechanics. And he got interested in Duncan McDougall's work, and he took some of his sheep and put them on a very, very sensitive scale uh, as, as they were, you know, he had to dispatch them anyway. So he thought, well, let's see what happens. Oddly, the sheep at the moment of death gained weight. So I think what's going on is that when we die, our, sheep's, our, our souls go into sheep. I don't know. <laughs> So this, what's been described as the supreme moment where somebody wants to see if there's been some kind of physical shift suggests that there, there is a desire and there has been a long-term research. Various people have tried to find out, is there a physical reality to this soul? It's like looking where, where is consciousness? Yes, there's, there's, and what interestingly, every time there's a new technology, x-ray, uh, phonographs, photography, tape recording, this is always uh, snatched up by people who are interested in this, thinking, well, maybe it's infrared that will enable us to see, or maybe it's X-ray. In fact, one of the early pioneers of the X-ray, Dr. Goodspeed, and his accomplice, Dr. Snook, <laughs> I just love it, Homer Clyde Snook. Is that not a great name? <laughs> I, I, I knew some Snooks, and I, re I ran into a Snook at a convention once. I said, are you related to the Snooks of 
Palo Alto? And, and they said, all snooks are related. God <laughs> love the snooks. It's a great name. But Dr. Snook and Dr. Goodspeed, yes, they, they were one, uh, very early uh, pioneers in x-rays. And, and they, they came up with a, they tried to x-ray the soul. They thought, well, this will be the way we can see it. Everyone else wants to see it, weigh it, hold it, smell it. So, but some choose just to believe in it. Yes. That is the simplest, most effective way I found. Okay. Yeah. And then you don't have to worry about how to pack it, how to store it, you know, mothballs, you know, a, a fur closet, you know, whatever. Uh, there was a, uh, uh, but, it, but it's, uh, you ran into people who uh, had sort of other experiences too, as it was, who would be tucked in by a ghost at night. I have a, yeah, I, I've got... Um, Actually, two or three, I've been collecting ghost anecdotes over the year, the, the two years that I've been working, three years on this project. Uh, and and uh, these things come up over and over. The tucking in ghosts, uh, I, I, this, is a, this is a bizarre phenomenon, but there's been two or three people who say, yes, it was a ghost. And someone was tucking me, and I woke up in the middle of the night, and they were, they were tucking me in. Oh, yes, that was Mrs. Potter who was tucking me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very, very, so have you had any sort of uh, out-of-body experiences as the result of having written this book? Any sort of floating above the room, the third eye, you know, looking down on you when you get your note from the publisher saying, yes, uh, we're going to publish your book? I have had, so I, I, I think that the out-of-body, the time I remember an out-of-body experience in the, in the whole course of this book was when I did that show Coast to Coast. Have you ever heard, this is a, this is a late night sort of show, three hour show devoted to alien abduction, conspiracy theory, uh, very sort of out there show. And my publicist, I said, I don't really know that this is my audience. And my Wait, what do you mean out there? <laughs> no, go ahead. Yeah, but my, and uh, she said 50 million listeners, Mary, do the show. So, so I went and I did the show. But, and at around 2.30 in the morning, they, get, they open up the lines <laughs> for callers. And that was, a, that was a very, very strange... Disembodied voices coming in from anywhere. At a certain point, yeah, I, I, I realized that all I could do is just say at the end of... You know, they would tell their story of their ghost story, their out-of-body experience, whatever it was, and you would just, sit, you just say, boy, that is really eerie. <laughs> You're a, a Catholic background. Uh, there's a view in Catholicism that Earth is temporary. Heaven is where we're all... Uh, going if, if we behave well. Um, has your perspective changed as a result of your research? Had, had it, did, what, what changed for you in your own belief in a soul and a, and a hereafter? As a result of doing the book, you mean? Well, I think there, were, there are a couple of things. I mean, the book is it's a fun read. It's, it's, you know, it's not a serious, ponderous, philosophical book, obviously. Uh, but there were a couple of for example, the near-death experience. I never finished that. They had a computer up on the ceiling. Right. Yeah, yeah, we never. Um, well, they were hoping that the patients would be able to see on the screen only if you could see it from the upper room, as they would describe what they saw below them. That's right. They had a laptop computer that was open, flat, facing the ceiling, so that if somebody was having an out-of-body experience, because they always described looking down at the table. So uh, there was. there's now a computer up there in this operating room in Virginia. So far. What if the laptop had actually gone to sleep by mistake? That's, and that's what I thought. They would have to say, have the Windows logo. Right. <laughs> uh, there's more to talk about clearly, but uh, and she didn't quite. You didn't quite answer the question about your sense of the afterlife. Now, no, I weaseled out of that one, didn't yeah, I? I did. it was very nice. But you know what? We'll have to talk about it after the show, and the show's afterlife in a couple of months. Thank you very much. Uh, the book is called Spook. Mary Roach. 
Thank you very much for being here on West Coast Live. This is Sedge Thompson. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Try out others from West Coast Live right here, and we look forward to having you in one of our audiences one day. For more information, wcl.org.